I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Whether we like it or not, money is something that plays a big role in a lot of our lives. It can impact a lot of our decision-making, whether that be around jobs or life decisions or careers that we're going to pursue. And it's not to say that money is the most important thing in the world. It certainly isn't, but it's definitely a factor that we have to consider when we're thinking about these types of decisions. And this podcast is all around helping people, trying to find a career and build a life that they love. And so... I wanted to create this two-part series all about money, everything that I've learned about it, and how it impacts your career. Last week, I covered off the first two topics, which was all around understanding the role that money plays in your life and how to get a sense for your philosophy of money and how you can make money work for you instead of the other way around. The second part was about how to maximize the amount of money that you can make. And so I had lots of tips in there around negotiation and had the different sources of income that you can generate through a salary job or things you can do outside and how you can really try and get the most out of the work that you do. Today I'm doing part two and part two is going to cover two more topics. The first one is going to be how to manage your money and build wealth. Now some people this will be one of their primary goals. They really want to kind of build long-term wealth for themselves. Other people it won't be. They'll actually just want to you know have goals in their life like perhaps like buy a house or go on certain holidays or do a trip or whatever else but it's still good to understand these principles behind like building wealth over time because it's what is going to allow you to achieve both of those objectives you're just going to have to you know perhaps do it at a different scale so that's the first topic i break down all of my tips that i've learned for how to manage your money and how to build wealth over time and i go into details about specifically what do i do now of course I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an expert, I'm not sitting here saying that I know absolutely everything, but what I can tell you is the things that I've learned, what has worked for me, what has do- doesn't work for me, and what I do myself, and you can take from that whatever you will. Of course, I need to give the disclaimer that I'm not a financial advisor, and you know whatever I say on this podcast is purely a re- reflection of my own learnings and my own um, experiences as opposed to advice. But anyway, forget all that crap. The second kind of chapter of what I'll talk about today is about how to spend money and specifically how to spend money to get the best happiness return on your investment. So a lot of the focus is always about how do I make money? How do I build it over time? How do I invest? Yada, yada. But as I said in the podcast last week, money is just a middleman for something else that you want to do, right? It's a way to translate your work into either experiences or things or um, you know services whatever else it is it's just a middleman between like your work and what you want to get out of life um, and so you need to get good at spending money and it's actually a skill to be able to spend money on the things that bring you the most amount of happiness and so that's the plan for today I'm going to go into those two topics and cover them off with as many all of my kind of top tips and pieces of advice that you can take away from this before I get into today's episode I have some big news which is that the divergence program enrollment has officially opened as of this week so if you are interested in a program to help you figure out your next step in your career that's what the divergence program is designed to do so it's four weeks starting in November 15th, I believe 15th or 16th, and it's going to run for four weeks. There's going to be one live session every single week with me where we jump online. I bring you through a series of kind of uh, of content, but also exercise, exercises to help you understand more about yourself, understand what type of career you'd enjoy, what type of career you could do, help you through that decision-making process, 
and then ultimately actually helping you build that plan and making that transition from whatever you're in at the minute into the new thing that you want to do. So if you're trying to figure out what the next step is for you and thinking about what job it is that you would like to do in the future, go and check out the program. The link is in the show notes and you can sign up for enrollment today. So let's start with the first topic today, which is about managing your money and building wealth. Now, I listened to a podcast maybe about four or five years ago from Naval Ravikant where he breaks down his rules for building wealth and it's absolutely fantastic. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to listen to the whole thing or read the whole thing but a lot of my rules are based on that content and that podcast and so what I'm going to do now is break down my three rules that I've primarily taken from Naval and how I kind of implement them in my, my own life and this is all around how do you build wealth for yourself Uh, long term. So rule number one is maximize income. It's very easy when people think about kind of building wealth themselves to think about, oh, I need to save. So that means I need to cut down on my expenses. Typically, that can have an impact, but really, you're much more focused on trying to earn more. And that may seem like a little bit counterintuitive, but it's totally true. And like, you know, you see all these people saying, oh, if you don't buy your coffee every day and like, you know, that's how you save, right? If you don't buy a coffee every day, let's just say it's three euro, you're going to save like roughly, I don't know, whatever, a thousand euro a month, uh, a year. But if you can get a 5% raise, that's, you know, if you're on 30,000 euro of an annual salary and you get a 5% raise, that's 1,500 euro before tax. So that's instantly more than all the money that you saved on coffee. Now, like That's just like a silly comparison. But essentially, you're much better off at focusing on maximizing your income as opposed to trying to cut all of your costs if you're trying to build wealth over time. Because there's no limit, really, to the amount of income that you can generate. You can still keep going up, but there is a limit to how much you can cut back on your expenses. If you cut back loads, like you're going to reach a, a point where it's like, no, like I have to pay my rent, I have to buy food, I have to do these things, Like I can't cut them back anymore. And then what do you do? You can't do anything, right? So tip number one, is focusing on maximizing your income. And I have the tips in the part one of this, which is what you can do around negotiation and different sources of income to help you with that. But one big thing that I would say here that I've thought about a lot is about investing in yourself, especially early in your career. If you want to maximize your capacity to earn income, you have to invest in yourself. I know this sounds cheesy, but it's actually true. So whether that's like courses, qualifications, conferences, you know, meeting people, whatever it is, that's one of the best ways, best things you can do to maximize your income. The way I think about it is like you have a personal balance sheet. So if you're familiar with the concept of, in, you know, in accounting, you kind of have a profit and loss, which shows every year how much money are you making versus how much are you spending. But then you have like a balance sheet and that shows like your assets and your liabilities. So are you building assets that in the future you can turn into capacity to make money in a given year, which is when it shows up in your profit and loss sheet. And you want to be thinking, especially early in your career, is like, how am I building up my balance sheet? How am I investing to build up my assets? And as I said, that's skills, it's a network, um, qualifications, whatever else it is. And then in the future, you take those assets and then you turn them into a capacity to make money. You'll be able to do that because you'll be able to get into higher paying jobs or you'll be able to charge more um, for your clients if you have a business, whatever that is. For me right now, that's about investing back into my capabilities and my business. I want to be a better 
podcast host. I want to be better at producing content. I want to be better at running programs. I want to run the best programs um, for helping people figure out what they want to do. And all of the work that I do outside of this podcast, I'm really focused on trying to build my capabilities there and investing back into myself. So that's tip number one is to really focus on maximizing income and investing in yourself to be able to do that. Okay, tip number two. Again, I talked about this a little bit in part one of this episode, but it's really about own, so owning something. And Naval talks about this a lot. You have to own something if you want to be able to build long-term wealth over time. And this is about decoupling your ability to make income from your time. So if we're always working a salary job, or even if we're contracting, but it's related to our hours, whatever else it is, it, we get paid for the hours that we show up, and if we don't show up, we don't get paid. And, and that's tough. Because even if you're earning more per hour or per day or per year of work, it's still directly tied to your time. If you think about the wealthy people in your town or that you know, they very often own something. They are a business owner, a small business owner, or they have equity in the company that they work for, whatever else it is. And so that's rule number two is to think about how can you get ownership of something. Now, one easy way to do this is through like the, the stock market, right? You can, if you buy stocks, essentially you own a tiny part of a business. And I'll talk about that um, in a couple of minutes, but there's other ways that you can do it as well. So people talk about real estate. Um, that is a big thing that people do. You typically need a good bit of money, but there's also s- smaller things that you can do as well to try and get out, get ownership. Um, one big trend at the minute is like owning small businesses or owning small parts of small businesses. You know, there's a business in your town that probably does a hundred thousand euro of sales a year and might spin off fifty thousand euro of profit. Um, and the person who owns that probably does pretty well for themselves. And so that's a big trend. But it's really just kind of ingraining that concept of like, can I own something? Can I have equity in something so that I can decouple my ability to generate income from my time and the great thing about owning something is like if you own it if you, let's just say you own 10% of a business you'll get 10% of that business's profits this year but also next year and the year after that and the year after that too so it's an asset that you have on your balance sheet and it's going to be spitting off income for you all the time point number three um is about minimizing tax so <laughs> the Sometimes you can do this to a significant extent, sometimes not really, but essentially, you know, tax is a pretty substantial expense um, for anybody. And I talked to Ogie Hollywood on the show when he was saying that, you know, people often forget that tax is, you know, can vary, um, either depending on where you live or where, how you kind of have your income and your business set up or whatever else it is. So, um. My advice here is really like if this is if you're working in like a like a purely salaried role, there's probably not a whole lot you can do to impact the amount of tax that you pay, um, unless you know you go want to go and move country. But once you start owning equity, or if you have your own business, or if you're you know owning shares or whatever else it is, um, I would definitely work with a tax accountant, like one hundred percent. Here's an example, right? In Australia, if you own a if you own equity so let's just say i buy a share in a company if i sell that share for more than i bought it for i will get charged capital gains on that now if i sell it at 11 months after i bought it i pay the full amount of capital gains on that which is essentially it gets treated as income so that could be say 50 percent 
of whatever I earned gets paid um, in tax. Now, if I hold it for more than a year, that tax liability halves. So instead of paying 50% of the money that I gained, I'll only pay 25%. And that's a huge difference. It's absolutely huge. Now, if you don't know that, you could make the mistake of selling the share after 11 months instead of waiting one more month and selling it then and saving a shit ton of money on tax that you didn't have to pay. Think about maximizing your income. Number two, owning something. Number three, minimizing tax. And then we think about some of the strategies that we have to kind of build and invest over time. So what I say is like once you've got to a point where you've got a little bit of money in the bank, what what are your first, there's kind of like three steps that you should take, uh, actually four. So once you've got a bit of money in your bank and you're saying, okay, well, what am I going to do with this money now? Step number one is going to be pay down all debt that you have. So if you're paying interest on debt, that's expensive and you're usually never going to earn more in um, interest on savings than you will than the interest that you're paying on the debt that you have. So I would just, step one, think about how can I pay down the existing loans that I have, especially if it's credit card debt, that kind of thing. You just want to get rid of that. Then step number two, this is what I have done over the past few years and kind of has been my strategy, is try and develop a six-month emergency fund or a cash fund. So essentially... Figure out what does it take for you to live? What's the number that it take your kind of living expense each month? And get six months of that in cash and keep that in like, you know, a cash account, like a savings account where you can access it instantly if you need it. And so this is for situations, you know, if you get laid off from your job or suddenly if there's a big expense that you have to pay for that you aren't anticipating, you can go and use this cash to do that so first of all that just takes all that stress out of it but then the second thing is it avoids you having to go and get more debt and debt's expensive and we don't want to have to pay for that kind of debt if we don't have to so that's kind of the purpose of this six month emergency fund and try not to touch that once you've got that six month emergency fund then you can start to think about okay well what am I going to do with the rest of the money and how will I invest it and what I'm going to do now is break down how I for me how I have thought about investing that money and I'll kind of go into the details of some of the practicalities because I know when I started out people would give these like really kind of um, high level pieces of advice but I had no idea how to apply that to myself or what to actually do with it um, or how to execute it and so once you know it's actually not that hard and so I'm going to give you a quick rundown on what that looks like for me now. So the advice at Naval Ravikant gives when it comes to managing wealth and investing is to invest in low-cost index funds and this is something you've probably heard before this is often what um essentially this is kind of the accepted wisdom now in terms of like how you should invest your money and so essentially what it means is like you don't try and pick winners don't try and pick specific companies or specific stocks are going to do well you just want to find a way to as easily and as cheaply as possible own a collection of all of the companies or all the different stocks um that are in the market and that is exactly what I do when it comes to managing my own money. Uh, Some people now will use like a wealth manager. I've decided not to for a couple of reasons. One is what I want to do with my money is very very simple so I don't personally think that I need a wealth manager to help me with that. The second one is that I kind of enjoy the process because I actually learn a bit 
um, by going through the process of figuring out what it is I want to buy and making sure that I execute that in the right way. Um, and then the third one is that wealth managers will typically take around like 1%. Um, and I just didn't want to pay that. I didn't think that was a good deal for what I was getting. Um, so when you invest in kind of low cost index funds, if you invest in the stock market, you can average the kind of accepted wisdom is that you're going to average about 8% a year. And I was like 1% out of 8% it seems like quite a bit and so I decided not to do it and so what I've decided to do is essentially take my money and I invest of the kind of um, amount of money that I want to invest and this is for long-term investments so money that I do not want to touch for you know 10-15 years I put 80% into equities 15% into bonds and then 5% into essentially like other smaller riskier bets so typically how do i actually do that well i have two accounts so i don't actually know if i should be sharing this or not i probably shouldn't be but um i have a vanguard account and then a cmc account and so vanguard is kind of the most trusted i would say easiest uh, way to access low-cost index funds and then cmc just allows me to purchase two other index funds that i wouldn't be able to purchase through vanguard and so you can go if you you know if you're thinking about what do you actually do what i do is i do 80 for 80 percent in equities 15 percent in bonds and then five percent into uh, other bets i set up a vanguard account and then there is essentially like three assets in vanguard that you go and buy so there's one or that i've done is like one is international equities which is essentially owning a little bit of the stock market across all the major um leading countries in the world and that's where I kind of keep the majority of that investment, uh, of my investments. And then the other one is an emerging markets equities fund. So I have a smaller amount in there. And that's about, um, essentially, it's the same thing. So you're owning uh, baskets of companies, but in kind of the smaller, like second tier nations, in emerging markets. And then there's kind of the bonds. So I have about 8% of the total amount of money in international government bonds. So this is, again, split across all the countries in the world. You own a little bit of all of their bonds. And then I have another amount, which is in inflation-protected government bonds. And this is just a way to try and protect yourself against um, inflation. Uh, I won't go into the depths of it um, too much, but ultimately, if, you, um, if inflation goes up, you want to have kind of some um, way that you're still making money or still okay and that's especially important in bonds where kind of the they're what's called like fixed income so you know exactly the interest that you're going to earn on a bond like when you buy it because it comes with a specific coupon rate which is essentially the money that you're going to earn or the interest that you're going to get paid and so if inflation goes up and that coupon doesn't go up that interest stays the same then you know you're not earning as much money or you could actually be you know essentially losing money in real terms um, but if it's inflation protected, it, that money, that interest you earn goes up relative to the inflation rate. And so that's a good thing. Um, and then the last little 5% bit is in like property and other bets. So like, you know, at times I would own like a little bit of crypto or um, there is an index fund in Vanguard, which is around, uh, which is essentially a property index fund. I own a little bit of that. Um, essentially, this is just kind of 
a bit that you can have a little bit of a play around with if you want. Um, but you know, anything that I've done there, like any of the crypto stuff, was obviously just stupid and me buying into stuff that wasn't real. Um, but that's how I think about it. So of those kind of the money that I want to invest, eighty percent goes into bonds through Vanguard. Uh, or sorry, eighty percent goes into equities through Vanguard. 15% through bonds, through a mix of Vanguard and then the CMC platform that I use. And then the remaining 5% is split across property and crypto. Property stuff is all in Vanguard. Crypto can be wherever the hell it, you know, is that you want to buy your crypto. And so that's how I think about managing my money, investing it over time. Low-cost index funds, the money I put in there, I'm planning not to touch for like 10, 15 years. Um, and, and really, I never want to sell any of those assets. I never really want to withdraw money from those accounts and so after i've paid in all my debt after i've built up this like six month emergency fund um cash fund to like cover unexpected expenses and then i've invested the money that i want to not touch for you know the 10 15 years and i will continue to put that in and um, then after that i've kind of got the extra cra- extra cash left over um, and that's kind of about reinvesting in myself reinvesting in my business and taking you know, bigger, like more personal bets. And that's essentially my formula for thinking about building wealth over time. And it takes, you know, it can take a while to get there. Like for years and years and years, I, d- I just, I couldn't even get to having like a six month emergency fund. And um, so it can take time to get to, like to take each of those boxes off. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the, the playbook that I have used. Um, I recognize that, you know, that can be very, it can be challenging to, like, get through those boxes. And it certainly was the case for me. And you're going to have to, you know, if you move country, that's going to put a dent in your savings and your ability to, to you know, to build wealth. Um, but look, this is the playbook that's worked for me. Now, one top tip that I have related to this is to understand the trajectory of your income in your career. So for some careers, if you look at how much you're going to earn each year, it might look like a hockey stick. So it starts off low for a couple of years and then starts to ramp up and get much higher very, very quickly. So for in, if you say you're in consulting or if you're in law, you start off on a modest amount of money, but after a few years, this starts to increase substantially. So if you're a consultant, you start off as an analyst, associate, and then starts to ramp up as you become a manager. But then if you're a partner after, you know, whatever, 15 years, you could be earning 10 to 20 times what you did as a first year analyst. This is true in a lot of tech jobs. It's probably true in like um, professions like law as well. But you want to understand what that curve looks like for you over, you know, a five to 20 year period. This might look like different, uh, very different if you're in a job like teaching where kind of year on year the increases are not so large and so you might have kind of a flatter income trajectory over time. So do some research to find this out. If you're searching careers, you should get a sense of what this is going to look like in your new career as well. Um, so you can understand it, but then also make sure that it's aligned with your life goals. And then once you know this, you can think about how you spend, save and invest. So ultimately, if you're on a contra- a career trajectory that has a strong upward curve although i would say you don't want to ever spend ahead ahead of your means you can feel more comfortable spending money now as opposed to always trying to save for later right if i was when i was looking back actually before i recorded this podcast on what my trajectory looked like over the years essentially went like this so you know 
Year one, year two is flat. I had no change in my income. Year three, when I left McKinsey, I actually went down in income. So I went minus 20%. Year four was up 20% on year three. Year five was flat. And then in year six, I was plus 120%. So it's kind of like this, you know, for me, it was like quite flat, even going down, a little bump, um, and then kind of like significant upticks like towards the end. Um, those changes may look different for different people. Um, they definitely will. But it's just about understanding what that trajectory looks like for you because then you can start to bake that into how you think about spending, investing, and saving money. The, the first main section of today is thinking about how do you manage your money and think about building wealth over the long term. The last section we're going to talk about, which I think is potentially almost the most interesting one, is about how do you spend money? So we talk a lot about how do you make it, how do you save it, how do you invest it, whatever else, but how do you spend it? Because ultimately you're just trying to take your money and turn it into happiness for yourself. That's all the goal is, right? And so there's a couple of things that I've learned top tips that I have for this. So number one, start with understanding the cost of the lifestyle that you want to have. So you know, especially if you've just gotten a new job or whatever, or if it's your first job, take a couple of months and track roughly how much you spend. And does that give you the lifestyle that you want, right? And you want to know what what that number is, right? What what that amount is. Then what I would say is, so that's what you're going to aim to spend every single month. Like the minimum level of lifestyle that you want, whatever that's going to cost, that's what you're going to do, right? I've never been able to budget. I can't budget. I can't set a say, oh, at the start of the year, week, I am, or start of the month, I'm going to spend $300 on entertainment and then actually hit that. It doesn't work. So what I do instead, which is a great tip, I can't remember who I picked this up, was don't budget, automate. So if you, let's just say you're going to get $4,000 into your account at the end of the month because that's what you get paid and you know that your rent is going to be, let's just say, $1,500 for the month, and then you know that to sustain the lifestyle that you want to live, it's another $1,500. So $3,000 is kind of your monthly living expenses for the lifestyle that you want. Automate that. So automate the payments out to your um, you know, to your landlord. That's easy. Then what I would do is you know that you've got $1,500 that's going to be in your lifestyle expenses, which leaves you with another $1,000 that you can you know save or invest, whatever else. And so rather than trying to stick to that as a budget, just like set up little transfers in your bank account that automatically transfer that money out. So you get paid the next day, you want to take that $1,000 that you know is left over, automate that, send that to your savings account, and then you've got your $1,500 uh, left in your account that's going to be automate, automatically sent off to your rent. And then you've got $1,500 that sits in your account for living expenses. And the great thing about this is that you then know that you can spend that $1,500 and enjoy it so you're not trying to say okay um I, I could have been saved more or whatever else like should i be spending this money going to you know the pub or should i be saving this money it's like no you've hit your savings goal for the month whatever that number is so the rest of it you can enjoy it and you can enjoy it guilt-free and i think that was a big thing that was helpful for me it was like knowing i have this money and i can spend it guilt-free and it allows you to enjoy it and enjoy spending that money a lot more so that would be my big tip is like don't budget automate when it comes to like managing your spending the second one is the concept of money dials and this comes from a guy called Ramit Sethi which who you may have read his book he's got some really amazing content out there I think his book is called I will teach you to be rich 
Um, and he's got some great points about managing money. He knows a lot more about it than I do. But one of the most fantastic things that he has is advice on how to spend money so that you actually can enjoy it. And that's where he uses this concept of money dials. So what are money dials? Ultimately, they're the things that you're willing to spend extravagantly on and don't mind cutting back on other things that you don't care about to do so. They're, they're just the things that you like, you'd love to spend money on. And so he kind of has these 10 categories, right? So convenience, travel, health and fitness, experiences, freedom, relationships, generosity, luxury, social status, and self-approvement. And if you look at your own spending and you think, which one of these would I like to spend money on? You probably have an answer. And that's your money doll. And it's, or it's your number one money doll. And what that means is that you know that, let's just say it's experiences. You know that whenever you spend money on experiences, that brings you great joy, brings you great satisfaction. You really like it. It could be something else. It could be luxury. It could be social status. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just whatever is true for you. Whatever you get happiness on, you get return, happiness return on investment for your spending there. And that's where you should think about spending your money. And doing so again without guilt right so real like get an idea of how much money it is that you have able to spend on your money dolls and then know that i know that when i spend money on experiences it makes me happy so that's what i'm going to do that's where i'm going to spend my money um what you don't want to do is fall into traps where you know that when you spend your money on on your experiences that it makes you happy but then you know, you get caught up into spending money on luxury items like a new watch or, um, you know, new fancy shirt or whatever else. When it's like, like, why did you do that? You know, that's actually not the one that makes you happy, right? So it's about understanding where do you get happiness return on investment on and then being very conscious of like having money and when it comes, having money set aside for when it comes to spending on your money dolls, you can just go and you can spend it on that. And it's a really, really good way to make sure that you get the best happiness return on your investment when it comes to spending your money. Now, the one other thing that I've learned over the years, which you may have heard of, is the concept of lifestyle creep. And lifestyle creep is super, super real. Essentially, this is that as you know, you progress in your career and you start to maybe get a raise or bonuses or whatever else, your expectation for your standard of living will just rise accordingly. So if you used to shop in pennies, you know, then you get a bit of money and you're like, oh, I'll go to H&M. And then you go to H&M and you get a little raise. You're like, do you know what now? Actually, maybe I'll go and shop in, I don't know, trying to think of places, uh, River Island. And then you're kind of, oh, maybe I'll go now and, and shop in Massimo Duty or whatever else is. And next thing you know, you're like walking past the Louis Vuitton store thinking geez do you know what actually maybe I should buy a Louis Vuitton shirt for like a thousand euro it's like like how did that happen right how did it happen that you're once happy shopping in pennies and now you're thinking that like spending a thousand euro on a shirt is like a good idea and um, this this happens and it happens with everything it happens with restaurants it happens with this car and it happens with holidays everything and a certain amount of it is natural and so like you know I would not want to still be living like I did when I was a student and broke um but you need to watch out for it right um I spent a summer in Long Island in the US and I met a guy who was quite wealthy he was maybe in his 50s had a family kids very successful dude and we were out at dinner one night and we were actually having a couple of cocktails 
after dinner and he was giving me some advice and he said that he's like Stephen as the money gets bigger the party gets bigger I was like okay what do you mean and he essentially explained this concept of lifestyle creep he was like trust me he was like you will always no matter what you earn there will always be another way to spend more of it and he was like you have to watch out for it because otherwise you'll just you'll never actually be able to create kind of freedom for yourself or like separation from yourself between like the amount of money that you earn and the amount that you're spending and that really stuck with me um i can't say that i'm always good at it but it is a good um it's a good thing to keep in your mind especially if you're getting a raise or you know if you're taking a new job that has you know a higher salary or whatever else is keep this concept of lifestyle creep in your head one tip that i heard i think from the guy sam parr who i listened to on the my first million podcast was he was saying that if you get a raise or you know if you kind of get a bit of a you know injection of money from somewhere whether you sell some shares or you have a win or a big bonus or commission or something else he was like try not to spend it straight away try and just like sit with having that money for you know three months six months 12 months without really changing your lifestyle too much um, and then seeing it's like okay well what is it that i would like to spend my money on if anything um whereas like if you instantly get a raise and then you go out and you change your lifestyle you get a more expensive apartment more expensive car whatever else you're kind of gonna get stuck on this like hedonic treadmill where you're always adjusting up the amount that you spend relative to the amount that you were in which of course um is not good okay so that's the two topics that have covered off for today and that kind of essentially completes like this series on money and how to think about money in your career the last thing i want to do is like take a specific example of somebody who's just started working and earning in their first job and kind of talk through some of the things that i would do if i was that person in terms of like how to manage their money and like how to think about their income and perhaps earning more or negotiating with their employers or whatever else so here's the situation you've got somebody they've say just come out of college and they've got their first job and we're going to say that this person is earning 30,000 euro a year so after tax that works out about 2,150 euro every month that this person has in their account now if I was this person what I would be doing is like and I recognize this is so hard with like you know cost of living crisis and the price of rent in most countries and cities especially if you're in Dublin um but what I would do is I would probably try to spend about one third of that on rent and renter bills um, and definitely no more than 50 percent so like 700 to a thousand euro on renter bills again this is this is hard if you're in dublin i think this is why a lot of people are are struggling but that would be my goal is try and keep rent and bills ideally around one third um but definitely around the 50 percent mark which is about you know 1050 1100 euro then what I would do is take a couple of months to understand your lifestyle and how much that costs. So spend a month or two tracking how much you spend and the level of lifestyle that you're living. And so you kind of want to get to this minimum level of lifestyle that you enjoy, but that you can also afford. Um, and so this is going to be kind of try and become like the new number that you try and hit. So let's say with rent, bills, food, gym, etc., um, when you add up everything, so if you say rent and bills is going to be about 50%, you probably want another maybe 30 40% is going to go towards your lifestyle. Obviously, you can't spend more than 100% of your income. Um, so let's just say 30% is on kind of your 
maintaining that lifestyle on top of your rent and bills. So now you've got twenty percent of your income left. And so what would you do with that? Well, if it was me, I would see if I've any got, if I've got loans, if I've got debt that I'm paying interest on, if that especially if that debt is expensive, I'd be trying to pay them off as quick as possible. See if I can get you know um, early repayment bonuses, repaying that off. Um, because this is going to save you money in the long term. You don't want to be paying interest on debt that you don't have to have. And then I would start to contribute to my emergency or my cash fund. So this is where we're looking to try to build up that like six months of expenses um, that we could cover if we had to. Is ideally kept for like emergencies, but it can also just be for months where you have like a bit of a cash crunch, like some unexpected expenses if you have to pay for a big holiday. Um, and it's just handy to have that rather than having to go and, you know, use credit cards or get a loan or whatever else. Um, I wouldn't stress too much about trying to like save massive amounts at this time, right? Like you don't, personally, if it was me, I wouldn't put myself under pressure where I'd be living kind of like a miserable lifestyle just to like save a few extra hundred dollars or hundred euro like a month. Um, this is different for everybody. People have different life goals and I completely recognize that. Um, but for me, I think, you know, that the joy that you can have as like a young 20 year old like the experiences that you can have are actually pretty great and um, especially if you're on one of these like upward trajectories from an income perspective if you're going to be earning you know if you know that when you're in your 30s in your career you're going to be earning a lot more than you do now like putting yourself under a lot of stress in your early 20s missing out on experiences missing out on fun um, is not something that I would choose to do I'd rather have that fun then um, because I know that in the future you know, I'm going to be able to earn back that money. Um, a couple of other things I would do is I would then go hard on building income. So this is kind of like that first rule that we have around like building wealth from uh, Naval. So it's like focus on generating income. So I would be talking with my employer, seeing if I could renegotiate, taking all of those tips that we have in part one of this episode, seeing can you find ways to um, develop, uh, you know, a commission structure for yourself or bonuses, target-based bonuses, those kinds of things. And then I would be looking at building skills over the medium term so that I can use those to get promotions, get a new role, build a side hustle and generate those new sources of income, right? You can only get paid for what you're able to do. So if you want to be able to increase your ability to earn income over time, you need to be doing something, you need to be building those skills, right? Then, you know, as time goes on, if I was building my income, if that was starting to increase, I'd be very conscious of not letting lifestyle, my lifestyle creep ahead of that income, um, at least not initially as the kind of the new com- income sets in, I would let that kind of settle down. And then as I had kind of marginal income, I would decide what it is that I wanted to do with that. Maybe I'd want to spend a bit of it on my money dolls. If I know that experiences if like trips and travel is something that I really enjoy, I'd be saying, okay, I know I get good happiness return investment on these things. So let me go and spend money there. And then, you know, I'm going to take a little bit and start to save that and invest it over time or whatever else it is so that is the end of this two-part series on managing money everything i've learned about money in my career as i said this is my experience i recognize that people are in a whole host of different situations and that this may not be applicable for everybody but i did want to share my experience with it and the things that i do and the tips that i've learned because i would have found them very helpful um, a couple of years ago, trying to rather than trying to figure out all these things by myself. As I said, money is not the most important thing. It is a means to an end. It is a middleman. 
but it is whether we like it or not always present and it's very present when we're making career decisions and big life decisions and so having some understanding about how we feel about money the role that money can play in our lives and then some top tips around how we can generate more of it build it and manage it and invest it over time and then also spend it so that we can get the max return on our investment i think is hopefully helpful last reminder for the divergence program if you're interested in figuring out what your next career step is you can go and sign up for the divergence program today if you know you've listened to this episode today and you think do you know what i want a career where i can earn a bit more money because that's what i'm going to need to be able to sustain the lifestyle that i want and to have you know, hit the life goals that I have, but you're not sure what career that is or how to get into it, then the Divergence Program could be a good fit for you. So the link is in the show notes. You can go and sign up today. And if you have any questions, you can hit me up on social. So on Instagram, it's uh, Two Roads Pod, and on, on LinkedIn, it's just my personal profile, Steve Duke. But apart from that, I will see you back next week for episode 37. I think it's 37. I really need to look up the numbers of these podcasts before I record them. Let's just go with it. Episode 37 of the Two Roads Podcast.